if we can make them laugh first and then we can make them gasp. And so, and that's where my hard hitting impact comes through where I'm kind of like make them gasp or make them realize something's really, really wrong. Hi, I'm Darren Woolley, founder and CEO of Trinity P3 Marketing Management Consultancy, and welcome to Managing Marketing, a weekly podcast where we discuss the issues and opportunities facing marketing, media, and advertising with industry thought leaders and practitioners. Today, I'm chatting with a pair of associate creative directors. Now, I guess the collective noun would be a team. This team is part of the creative leadership at an agency that creates big ideas for people and brands that the world needs. It's also an agency that holds itself, its employees and its clients to those principles, being a certified B Corp and an active member for Commons Declare. But when creating purpose-driven work, is it enough to simply be authentic, sincere, earnest and good? Or does it require more? Please welcome to Managing Marketing from the agency All or Nothing Associate Creative Directors, Shai Gangliani and Seamus Fagin, to discuss what you need to make purpose work. Welcome, Shai. Hi, Darren. Thanks for that noble intro. Well, it's look, my pleasure because it's great to have a creative team and especially a leadership team in an agency willing to step up and talk about this. But uh, let me introduce your partner, Seamus. Welcome to Managing Marketing. Hi, Darren. Great to be here. So uh, as I was saying, great to have a creative team because, you know, there's lots of conversations that go on about purpose marketing. And yet I think that often, you know, that's where the whole thing sort of gets off the rails. You know, what's, a, what's either of you, I'm happy to jump in, but what would you, what do you think of working and thinking about purpose marketing? Um, I'll go. I think, I think purpose marketing has changed completely in the last decade. I think when you used to say purpose marketing 10 years ago, it used to mean charities and NGOs and United Nations and UNICEF. Um, and that's th- that, those were the dream creative briefs that would win you the Cannes Lions. Um, and now when we say purpose, I just think it's it's across everything we do. Um, a McDonald's could be involved in purpose and so could a Combank, um, so could a Woolworths, but um, so could all of the B Corp brands we know. I think purpose marketing today means that a brand finds an authentic way to make a meaningful purpose from the things that they're selling or from the audience that they've got using part of their budget to sell something with purpose rather than just for profit. So it's going beyond profit because I I remember a great quote in uh, Built to Last was, you know, profit for business is like air or oxygen for humans. You know, we don't live to breathe, but without it, we don't live. Yeah, and I think that that that's kind of flipped on its head a bit. Maybe I'm being a little idealistic, but I do think that you can't live without purpose anymore. If you do, your audience is probably going to end up boycotting you. I think a lot of times now, uh, customers are trying to see: do they align with that business? Like, do they does that purpose align with my purpose? Um, and I know it sounds really random, but you know, you know, if Coke's out in the world saying a certain thing, does it align with me? Um, you know, you want it always, always to align. And it's such a random thing for a, 
a company these days to have to think about that. It used to be, do I have the best product in the market? But now it's, you know, do I believe the same things as my consumers? So, you know, it's interesting from my perspective to see big corporations, you know, that have lots of shareholders, you know, their their stock prices is, is published daily around the world and they're trying to embrace purpose as part of their organisation when it's so obvious that, you know, the one thing that they're being uh, judged by is how much profit they're making. First of all, Compared to some of the great companies that we've seen, and people will call them startups, that have actually started from a position of identifying a purpose, like who gives a crap, you know? There's an organisation that the whole business is based on a purpose. Do you uh, feel that it's it's a real corporate challenge for those big companies? And how how would you approach it? That's a big question, Darren. <laughs> I feel like if I had the answer, the, the perfect answer to that, I would probably be sitting in a C-suite level at one of these companies. Um, but I'll give it a go anyway. I think that they don't really have a choice but to create purpose in those uh, in those businesses. Um, when we talk about businesses like Who Gives a Crap and Say in Australia and you know other companies that have come up from purpose, um, OV, they've, they've, they've essentially come at it from the world has a problem or this audience has a problem and our product is going to solve that problem. Now, the other businesses we talk to uh, are talking about are very much, how do we turn a profit with this product we're selling? And then they retrofit the purpose by going, how do we fit a problem into this and try to solve that with maybe not our product, but some ads that we're running? The answer is you can't solve a problem when you're retrofitting it like that. Um, you can you can genuinely create an impact if we still if we look at some brands like um, controversial but Coca-Cola and Maccas and stuff. Um, if we talk about Coca-Cola, they are they do a lot of bad in the world and they cause a lot of um, pollutions and cans and they have they have a sea full of issues, but they use some of their profit to turn around some pretty impactful campaigns, maybe not year on year, but once in a while. I was working at Ogilvy in Dubai when they decided to to run a Ramadan campaign, um, trying to break down stereotypes and take the labels off cans and say that labels were for cans, not people. And that got over 10 million views in just three days and spoke to Muslims from around the world. And I was on that campaign and I was on the back end of that campaign when Muslims were reaching out to us and having video calls and crying, saying how it really meant the world to them. Um, so you can make a difference. You just actually have to pe- put people in a room together who care and use your profit wisely. So what you're saying is that being willing to invest in supporting these issues or purposes is as important as actually having it as core to the purpose of the organisation. Absolutely. So, so you know, because cynically, some people would say, isn't it a bit like select a purpose or select an issue? You know, this week we're going to support uh, pride. Uh, next week we'll support, uh, you know, people of colour. The week after that, let's uh, have a whole program of purpose. I think uh, I'm going to jump in on this one. The 
I've been in the back room when that when those decisions are happening sometimes, and it's exactly actually how it happens, right? They do sometimes go, we're tackling this cause or that cause. And the thing I find the most with those situations are the people pick up on it, people who are uh, viewing it, their BS meters go off and they go, uh, you know, they're just trying to do something for a token reason. Uh, but I find the ones that actually do come from a place where they're trying to make a difference, they seem to do the best. They seem to do to make the biggest difference. So I think, uh, yeah, you're 100% right. Like people's BS meters go off um, as soon as people start doing this tokenistic kind of approach. Yeah, because yeah, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, if you're working with a client that comes in and says, you know, we've, we've, we're really wanting to, you know, communicate purpose. How do you talk about words like, you know, authenticity and, and sincerity and, and, you know, because they're important, aren't they, as part of a, a, a purpose marketing strategy? Um, they're, I'd say they're not just important, they're, in, they're necessary. Um, you can't have purpose without authenticity. And like Seamus just said, people's BS meters will go right off when you have an unauthentic person standing in front of a room trying to sell a rainbow painted campaign or a greenwash campaign. Um, and I think the answer to that question is you put people who are authentically, like who authentically care about that purpose as the spokespeople of that campaign. And you make sure that those were the people in the room coming up with the thing. Because as bad as it sounds, like I, who cares what your intent was? Who cares if you just thought that as Coca-Cola, you were going to, or whatever BP, you were going to reach a new audience. It's okay. It's yeah, not let's not just pick on Coca-Cola. No, let's Pepsi, not pick on Coca-Cola. Yeah. Pepsi, Pepsi did a terrible Pepsi. ad with... Uh, <laughs> uh, Ken, Absolutely. Kendall. Yeah. yeah. Kendall um, Jenner. Yeah. Yes, Seamus. <laughs> well, I was going to build on what Shai said there. It's, uh, it was perfect. Yeah. But, um, the, when the, what government did it? It was the... Um, when they did the milkshake ad and it was all around consent. Um, and it was one of those situations where um, they probably didn't have the right people in the room to talk about consent. Um, and even flipping the narrative that the woman in the situation was the one who was forcing the milkshake on people. It was just so um, insensitive. And you could just tell that, like, like what Shai was just saying, that the, the wrong people were in the room. So I think if you want to try and make some purpose, driven work it's it's getting the right people in the room to have those ideas and sense check it <laughs> well and and that's right you know you can't communicate with an audience unless you understand the audience themselves you know it, this is not about preaching to the the masses it's about actually genuinely engaging communities of people around the issues you know I, I love, Shai, the, the story you told previous, you know, just a moment ago about Coca-Cola labels are, are for cans, not people, is such a powerful message. It would then be interesting, okay, how do you take that idea creatively and extend it beyond that one-off? Because that's a message that applies to all sorts of people in the world. It's not just, you know, Muslims. There's all, you know, it, it could be based on colour, race, age you know there's so many things that uh in the world that people are getting uh stereotyped and classified based on that but you don't see that coming from big corporates it's like it always feels like it's a it's a one-off great idea that never seems to extend anywhere darren i completely agree and i think the the 
going back to that question of authenticity, it, it the bigger corporate, the corporates who corporations who get it, the people who understand this, they know that if a campaign really kicks off, even if it was a fluke or intended, and it it takes off and it's really well, let's say um, labels uh, are for cans and not people, um, the smart people in the room or the people who care go. This made a really big impact. This is no longer a campaign. This is our purpose. This is our mission. Think of Patagonia. Patagonia started definitely in that world, but like as they went further and further and saw how much their audience cared, that turned into their whole thing. That was their brand. And they run with that as their absolute mission. Even to the point of putting the company into a trust so that all future profits continue that mission. I mean, you know, it, it's the poster child of purpose marketing, isn't it? Absolutely. Trinity P3. But so many other companies, Seamus, struggle with this, you know. They, and we've seen it recently. Um, it's There's a meme doing the rounds on uh, LinkedIn of all of the companies that supported Pride Week or Pride Month, sorry, and then immediately were also sponsoring the World Cup uh, where, you know, homosexuality and, and gay relationships are illegal. They're outlawed and immediately dropped it. You know, it's like how can you cake, have your cake and eat it too? How can you stand for something and immediately support for commercial reasons, the very antithesis of what you're supporting. Yeah, and I think they'll see next year that um, the next time they run that campaign or they do that kind of that little jump, people are going to be like, mm, I don't know. I think last year you didn't stand by that that belief or purpose. Um, so I think, yeah, I want to keep talking to this BS meter, but it, that'll, it'll start going off because, uh, yeah, once again, and I think it's what you are saying before, it's like, if you stand for something and you have a purpose, then it shouldn't just be a one-off campaign. It should become this thing that is just woven into your brand and you, you see it's, you keep seeing it pop up. Um, I know Skittles, as an example, um, every year they do something for pride um, and it kind of fits really nice hand-in-hand because hand they're all about, you know, taste the rainbow. So then every, every year in America they give up their colours and it becomes this black and white, um, you know, packaging and black and white uh, Skittles. Um, but they do it every year. They do something with it every year. And that's something where it's becoming a part of the DNA. It's not just being this one-off, um, you know, let's just do it because it's Pride Week and you're right, the next day it just switches straight off. And every day they're producing a product that reminds you of the rainbow. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's what I like. Sorry. Um, yeah, it, earlier, show you said that you, maybe you're being optimistic. I think that maybe I'm, my problem is I'm too too demanding in my optimism. I want someone to actually embrace this as a strategy and not just as a tactic. Do you think that's the problem, that they never get their head around the strategy? Absolutely. I think it's completely obvious when when brands jump the bandwagon from, from cause to cause, like you were saying, marketing calendar, what's going to work, change the tagline a hundred times, rainbow paint it next minute, something else. It's so obvious, but just like Seamus was saying, when it's Skittles and it's, or it's Patagonia, whatever it is, when it's your brand and that purpose so beautifully matches, marries your brand together. And that turns into your long-term strategy and it's consistency. I think what people, what irritates people is the lack of consistency just makes it obvious that you're, it's just all lip service. But when you can um, put 
put everything into this one cause and purpose and believe in it and make that match your brand, then you have a much better chance at succeeding at what we're calling purpose-based marketing. Yeah. Seamus, do you think that part of the um, issue as well is that sometimes companies can make these purposes so intense, you know, like the, the attitude is so righteous and whereas, you know, I, I imagine creatively you'd want to have fun with it a bit, wouldn't you? Yeah, that is something we've noticed. We've noticed um, and it's something we do at all or nothing a lot of the time. Um, we focus on sometimes the lighthearted side of things. Um, and I know we're, we're talking about purpose, but at the end of the day, as soon as we start talking about the doom and gloom, it's just the normal thing for people just to shut off. Um, so, you know, when we're looking at messaging, we look at, you know, what's a more lighthearted way we can, you know, open the door, get in, talk about it, rather than just people closing off straight away. And that's something that some brands uh, do have some trouble with. They they sometimes just go doom and gloom and, you know, there's no solution. There's, there's nothing to talk about. Um, you know, what the positive outcomes can be. Um, so that's something we focus on is, you know, what's the positives, you know, maybe there's a lighthearted way in to talk about it. Yeah, very hard to sell things when someone's scared, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'd say that um, we have very similar views on this, but kind of different approaches. I think it is hard to sell things, Darren, to your point that, you know, when people are scared, it's hard to sell them things. But Often I think I just get really tired of people not listening and I say we hit them over the head with it. Um, if if they kind of, especially the people who already understand that there's an issue and they're just trying to get into the details, I think we could do it. We can do that in a less serious fashion and use humor. But if someone has no clue what's going on and they choose to have no clue what's going on, then I'm kind of like we just yell it out and say, hey, you, the world is ending. And like we get them to pay attention to it. At least that's my view. It is interesting that uh, corporations, because they're risk adverse, are inclined to not pick certain topics because, you know, they can be maybe <laughs> too polarising. You know, like uh, uh, global, the climate crisis is now something that's acceptable. So you're seeing a lot more companies jumping on board. But, you know, in uh, Iran, you know, the, the, the social upbreast in Iran and the way that the, the people are being treated, you know, executing protesters uh, is just outrageous and yet it's not an issue beyond the sort of social media support of individuals. I, I haven't heard or seen any brands jumping on board in support of you. I don't think I've seen a single brand either. I think they're probably no. terrified yeah. is what's happening. Yeah, totally agree. And yet, yeah, if you're not selling product in <laughs> if you're not selling product in Iran, what do you care? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean the same thing happened in Russia, right? So many brands pulled out um, because of the optics, and and you're right. At the end of the day, that's probably one of the tougher things is that when you stand for a purpose, sometimes you have to like stick to the guns. Um, where a lot of brands won't, they'll just go, "Oh crap, we better drop that, or we better you know pull out." Or, um, but in the Russian example, is actually kind of good. It's like these brands saying we don't support um, Russia and what it's doing to Ukraine. So we're going to pull out of that country. Um, although right now I remember there being a brand that's still stuck around and it's getting a lot of flack for it. 
Well, look, to be honest, a lot of them also waited till the point when financially it was no longer a viable solution. Yeah, certainly the the story is that they were in support Mm, of the Ukrainian people, but there's also an underlying financial component. And we we saw um, Adidas ran into uh, some trouble with, you know, uh, well, I'll, I'll call him Kanye, but I think his name's Yay. Yay? Yeah. 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 Sorry. It's all right. I'm I'm just, yeah, I'm just not hip enough to keep up with, yeah, keep up with people's names. But Yi um, suddenly came out with incredible anti Jewish, anti Semitic uh, uh, language. And yet people I saw online, and I think Mark Ritson uh, took to LinkedIn to support Adidas. People were complaining because it took them 12 days to make the decision to drop him from their uh, their celebrity roster. You know, we seem to forget that this is a German company and probably the founders were, you know, Nazis or, or at least for their families were probably parts of the Nazi party. So 12 days is actually fairly quick for a big corporate, isn't it? I mean, yes and no. This is, I mean, controversial opinion, but this is why Adidas will never be Nike. Nike would have had that handled in 12 hours. They would have got a crack squad together. They would have sat in a room. They would have come up with 15 different responses and they wouldn't have just pulled Kanye or Yee. Um, they would have written a response to it just like they did with um, Kaepernick. And I think the thing is that everyone wants to be a challenger brand, but no one wants to take the lead. Mm. They just want to follow when it's safe. That's a great point, you know, that, and, and perhaps, you know, we started earlier talking about how startups, you know, in a way, if your whole existence is predicated on believing something, then you're more likely to operate within that framework, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, if we shameless plug, but if we come back to all or nothing, that, that the whole business that has started and a point of purpose and and wanting to do good for the world. And, and, and that's just easier. That's an easier point to start from because you go, I'm not even really going to entertain the rest of the things that I would have entertained. I'm just going to work towards these brands and making the world a better place. And all the conversations we have behind closed doors are usually about, you know, our small talk isn't usually about the weather or like people's weekends. Of course we have that, but it's usually like, did you guys see the news and what do you think of like the sea level has risen by this much, like the small talk is in itself intrinsically more valuable. Sure, I think that's really interesting because both of you have experience in big corporate agencies and now, you know, you senior creative people. Can I ask and... and uh, Start with you, Shai, because you raised it. But what is it that attracted you to this, the agency, the all or nothing? Um, I came Don't from... Don't say the money because that'll be the end of the conversation. It, it, it was the money. I'm going to be on. No, I'm joking. I'm absolutely joking. I came from... I've had a very um, huge or very quick growth curve when it comes to values and cognitive dissonance and the gap closing. Um, I, I moved from Dubai and we don't wear a barren desert and we don't really, I will probably get deported if I ever go back, but um, we don't believe in recycling and we don't, um, we litter still. And um, there's just, it's, things aren't great there for the planet. And I 
I had a lot of ignorance and not a lot of spatial awareness about any of these things when I came here. And as I started to learn more or see things with people like people who had keep cups or learned about sorting my recycling properly, <laughs> um, I knew something was wrong and I knew something inside me was stirring and I got far into many diversity and inclusion conversations and I knew I wanted to to do more for, for everyone and for the planet, but I just didn't know how. And the more I kind of worked at these big corporations, even my last job at Thinkerbell, there were some, there were some really satisfying and um, projects with them, whether it was violence against women or it was an anti-bullying or Vic police. And every time I was done with one of those projects versus the other projects I worked on, I was just so much, I was able to sleep better as at night, as much as a cliche as that sounds. Um, and I just, I knew that I had to switch fields and do something better. So I'm, I'm wearing my uh, Spider-Man t-shirt because I actually, one of my favourite quotes is the Peter Parker principle. With great power comes great responsibility. And people often in the industry forget that advertising does have an incredibly persuasive power to change opinions. So, you know, with that comes great responsibility. So thanks for sharing that. I, re I really appreciate you sharing it. Trinity P3. Seamus, what attracted you? What was it What the, the intrinsically that uh, is appealing about working for a company? Because I have to say, all or nothing really does live the um, principles that it was founded on, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. And and I'm in a similar boat to Shy, where um, every time you worked on, you know, a brief that was in this realm that we all we always work on, um, I felt really good about it. And um, I won't name brands, but you probably can look at my LinkedIn and find out who they were. But you know, when you've sold so much fried chicken, you've sold sold so much beer, you kind of get to a stage where you're like, uh, how can I use my creative powers for good? Um, and that's where where I was. Uh, approach for all or nothing and i'm like yeah this is perfect um this is a place where all those briefs that i was getting and getting excited about and, and feeling good about were all kind of under one roof um and so it was a no-brainer i was like I've, I've, i'm done selling fried chicken and and beer for now um maybe in the future but for now it's you know let's work on some purpose uh driven brands so when you say maybe down the track, is that after you've been beaten to the point of cynical um, a surrender? <laughs> well, maybe maybe I could be a positive influence on these brands. Um, I know in the past, no, but I know in the past I've, I've tried to turn creative briefs that weren't about um, purpose work into purpose work. Um, and, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. As I was saying earlier, some, when you force it in in a certain way, it doesn't really work, um, but sometimes you know we've steered it in a good way and we've we've come out some good results um, that actually have made some nice purpose work. So yeah, that's it's, that's it's what. It's interesting. I'm, yeah. <laughs> so, sorry, Seamus. It's interesting because a lot of people in the industry will say that well, purpose work is really not selling, is it? And ultimately, the role of advertising is to sell, but that's not true, is it? No, not, not, I mean, not at all. I just, um, I was listening to something recently about diversity and inclusion and businesses and bottom line. And um, I think it was Brene Brown. And she said, um, I have given up on the argument of the bottom line 
Um, I'm, I'm done going into leadership teams and telling them that they have to care for the bottom line and like diversity is going to affect their bottom line. Diversity is going to affect you, your, you being better people. Do it to be better people. Don't do it for your bottom line. And it's the same thing in advertising. Just put profit aside because if you've been selling in supermarkets and whatever or restaurants or whatever you've been selling, like if it's been working, then it's time to put that aside because that's going, that's a well-oiled machine it's time to oil a different machine. And that's like the planet we live on and all the causes we care for. I have a slightly different perspective, which is, and, and I, I alluded to it earlier with, you know, oxygen or is for people what profit is for companies. Mm-hmm. And that is, I think purpose marketing works very well where the purpose success is measured by the impact that it has on the company. You know, if, the, if it makes a company more successful and the only measure of success we have is consumers and customers spending more money with it, then it's achieved its objective. I think where people are getting cynical is where there's advertising that is all about purpose, but with, without any obvious purpose to the organisation. You know, this in some ways what I was talking about before where it's just embraced and stuck on as a, a tactic rather than becoming part of an overall strategy. Do you, does that resonate with you guys? No, totally. Totally totally resonates. I think it's kind of back to what we are saying before where um, you can tell when it it's almost becoming part of that brand DNA. Like when when the purpose doesn't have a substance behind it. It just, as you, as you say, kind of just gets lost. It gets, um, it, do, it happens once it never happens again, but something that with a bit more substance that a brand does, um, does create a bit more of a brand DNA, like Patagonia, um, as we keep mentioning, it's, it's become part of its brand DNA. Um, and that's where you, you start to see that the purpose actually has a reason for, to, to, uh, to be and to, to belong. But you're exactly right. When when a brand just comes out with a campaign that is just pride washing, then it's not going to really land and it's not going to do anything. And there's no reason for it other than to say, us too, we also believe that. And then the next day they don't. I mean, if your audience or your employee base or your shareholder base has a large proportion of uh, people from the uh, LBGT QI plus community. I think I got all the letters in there. Um, you can just say queer. The queer community. <laughs> yeah. um, that uh, then there's a definite reason to support the community that supports you. You know, and this is what I guess I'm looking for is, you know, in your approach, is that the, the meaningfulness of it is it must be so important, you know, that, that having a reason for doing this. But that sounds quite intense. And I know we were talking about your approaches to have fun. Can we talk a little bit about the Goodbye World, the website that you guys have created? Because it looks like a lot of fun. Can uh, I, I don't mind who uh, explains the uh, the purpose of that. Um, I will start happily. Um, I think earlier when we were talking, Seamus and I, we're discussing how we had a bit of a different approach on some things and um, his was kind of make them laugh. And then I said, no, I agree with them. I just think if we can make them laugh first and then we can make them gasp. And so, and that's where my hard hitting impact comes through where I'm kind of like make them gasp or make them realize something's really 
really wrong. And um, Goodbye World has been like a really nice mishmash behind both our mindsets because it's got humor. It's got that satirical element right up front. And then you're kind of scrolling and it hits you over the head with some pretty serious issues. Um, essentially, what it is, is um, we we knew the world, we know the world is on fire and capitalism, as we've been talking, got us here. These initiatives that we've all just been discussing have been commercialized so that the same corporations who invented the issues are now profiting on these issues. And we just thought that's absurd. And, you know, when we talk about Mardi Gras and rainbow painting, and then they don't go do any more rainbow things for the other days of the year. Um, We discussed how BP coined the concept of carbon footprint when they basically invented pollution. Um, And Goodbye World was kind of our parody response to, I guess, a society that doesn't seem to be able to take the issues seriously unless it's in front of them in a product form. Um, And we're hoping that Goodbye World can stop us from saying goodbye world. So it was a little (laughs) bit of fun, a little bit of a pun. But of course, everyone isn't really as cynical as me. And we think it's important to make people laugh a little I mean, since I moved here, I learned that Australians love to laugh. Did you guys know that? Yes, yes, a lot. We've laughed a lot uh, during this conversation. Seamus, uh, what was it? What was the inspiration? So it was companies like, you know, uh, Best Buys or Good Guys. You know, we wanted to do something like that and play in that, that kind of, you know, big corporation company. Um, and Goodbye World was just so perfect. Uh you know, you read it out, you, when you read it, you go, oh, okay, it says goodbye world. But when you say it out loud, you, you realise you're saying goodbye to the world. Um, and there's something kind of nice in that. Um, and then the some inspiration behind it was we were like, let's not create products that, let's say, fix a problem because that's not going to really do anything. Like, you know, if it was, it's not going to be a vacuum cleaner that uh, pulls up smog. We wanted to get people talking about these issues in a fun way. So if it's a um, ice cream that talks about the melting um, ice caps, we, we called it melty caps and it's like sea salt flavored. We wanted to get people like interested at first with these flashy designs, which most corporations use. Um, and then when they start looking at this in more detail, they go, Oh crap, it's actually about, you know, the rising sea levels. Um, yeah. yeah. It does lure you in. It does, you know, cause uh, you, you go to it and I love, you know, we'll spell it out for those that still haven't got it. The buy is B-U-Y, not B-Y-E. Um, so, you know, I think it's interesting, Shy, what you said about making people laugh because uh, Mel Brooks, who was the creative genius behind Blazing Saddles and, and the producers and things like that, uh, he was asked once, why do you have Hitler, Adolf Hitler, in a cameo in every film he made? And And... He said, well, you'll notice that the cameo, he's always being an idiot and we're always laughing at him. And my belief is that if you're laughing at someone, you can't take them seriously. And I think it's really interesting that, you know, in some ways, if we're laughing at these companies that are greenwashing, whitewashing, you know, uh, rainbow washing or whatever else, then hopefully we won't take them seriously. Yeah. I think that the thing was to um, take take some some brands apart or some some serious issues, kind of take it down a notch. Whether it was in people's heads as a big issue or a brand that was exactly like you say, um, how do we kind of 
just laugh at it and and think this is a bit ridiculous. And if we take a step back and look at just how ridiculous it is, then greenwashing could perhaps be a detergent. And if everyone had this detergent, it would be bloody funny because um, it would be so easy. Or rainbow paint should be a, it should be a paint tin, and everyone can basically just have this and paint over their logo for one day of the year. Um, and I think that the the approach we very much took was everyone is just a bit tired of being shouted at. Um, and as the person who often does the shouting at people, I can tell you that people are tired of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think also, you know, cancel culture, rainbow, oh, sorry, rainbow, uh, keyboard warriors. Yeah. Uh, you know, all of this is uh, is outrage. You know, people are outraged by what's going on. But I think comedians and, and comedy has that ability to cut through because in some ways if people are laughing and get the message, I think it's really clever. I'd, I'd absolutely uh, recommend that uh, people check that out. What's the, um, what's the uh, URL? Um, it's www.goodbyworld.com.au and buy is B-U-Y. Yeah, fantastic. You know, I, I think it's a fantastic initiative because uh, it's talk about putting creativity to work around, you know, really addressing and, uh, some of these issues in a very different way. Trinity P3. I want to just explore that a little bit with you because um, you both said how much better you feel working on projects that actually leave the world a better place. Do you find that the creative process itself of getting inspiration is the, exactly the same, it's just a different context or is there, different, is there a different approach you use? I think it's, it's, it's the same. I think at the end of the day, whether you're selling a product or selling an idea or a, a purpose, um, you're selling something. So um, we do tackle it probably the same way, but maybe uh, for lack of a better word, we don't use as many underhanded um, tactics. Like we can't, we can't use the same tactics you'd use on Coke, which we've brought up a billion times today, but you can't use that same tactic. Um, you know, it tastes better than the rest or it, you're opening happiness. We can't use the same tactic for for a good for a good purpose kind of uh, idea. Um, we have to have some sort of truth behind it. Um, just saying your product tastes better isn't really a truth, unless it is amazing. But um, yeah, at the end of the day, having that truth behind the purpose is what really makes it work. Sean, I mean, Darren, I think if you were in some of these <laughs> some of these brainstorms um, in the room when we were coming up with whether it was Goodbye World or another one of these things, I. I, I think personally, I think it was, it's very different. I think the first 10 or 15 minutes goes um, with us kind of ranting about like how this, this kind of, this issue is cooked and how does no one care about it? And like, you know, we'll throw every censored, censored brand that we can think of under the bus. And, you know, there'll be a lot of ranting and there's a lot of passion and a lot of research and a lot of learning before we get anywhere. And we're not talking learning about, the horsepower of a car that's never going to help us in our life. We're talking about learning valuable things that are going to help us, not just as social currency, but as people grow. And I think that really helps, at least me, it really helps me want to do better for the project and want to inject 
what I call objective creativity into something rather than that very same let's just repurpose the idea that didn't exactly what Seamus was saying, what the idea that didn't work for the other client that we couldn't sell to that other three clients, let's just sell it again. It's like, no, let's, let's just try and actually solve the issue. And often we have to ask ourselves, like if this forget the client name and what their logo is, what is the issue we're trying to solve and how do we solve that issue? And then we can think about the client brand later. And that's the key difference for me. Yeah, I, I, what I'm hearing from you both is if you get this right, it can be an incredibly powerful competitive advantage. You know, that if you're able to tap into purpose in that, you know, way that's intrinsically and strategically uh, part of the brand, then communicating it creatively can actually give them the advantage to actually outperform much larger brands. That you know, And that's ultimately what... Uh, capitalism's is about is creating choice but then outperforming your competition not just by on size but outthinking them and outmaneuvering them as well yeah if you put five people in a room together and you say hey can you sell this chocolate bar they might get excited if it's a popular chocolate bar brand but if you put five people those same five people in a room together and you say hey, we're trying to solve homophobia in this one suburb in Victoria where this crime just happened Maybe I have too much faith in the world, but I truly believe those five people will be way more motivated to come up with creative ideas for that and solve it. Fantastic. Look, we've time's just flown by. Really appreciate you both taking the time and having this conversation because, you know, as I said at the start, it's great to get a creative perspective on this because too often we're hearing it from strategists and account people and, and marketers. But I think, you know, creativity is where the insights and, and the power come from. So, you know, just remember that Peter Parker principle. So I'd like to thank you both. So Shai Ganglani and Seamus Fagan from All or Nothing, thank you for being on Managing Marketing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Darren. Now, before you go, what would your ideal client be like? Thank you.